Well, we all know that Madame X, the woman, is a kind of crazy spy with angry political leanings. Madame X, well, she travels the world apparently, lecturing at universities, dancing in discos, whilst also, you know, admirably keeping on top of the home front, you know, doing the laundry, she's making the school lunches, presumably she's been a whore and an equestrian at separate times, we're not quite sure. Madame X is a tad mad, but way before Madame X, there was the far more intriguing Mistress Dita, who, as many Madonna fans will attest, led a sexual awakening for young men and women all over the world. Mistress Dita was naughty and told us that it was fun and very okay to explore unadulterated sexual pleasure. Today we are retro-reviewing the Erotica album, the brilliant piece of work that was completely overshadowed by Madonna's masterful but completely misguided promotion. I've never seen a campaign like it. Possibly Michael Jackson's History album campaign is comparable, the overstatedness of that. But the erotica onslaught was pretty damned intense, and Mistress Dita certainly underestimated the poison and the power of conservative America. Boy, did they come for her at that time. Felix and Kyle join me for this look at Madonna's fifth studio album, and the first released under her own label, Maverick Records. Welcome, Kyle and Felix. Hello. Hello. So, friends, Erotica was released in 1992, but just the other day I was walking through JB Hi-Fi. It was, that's an Australian record store, and I could just sense in the air that there was something new in this store, something that I wanted. So I just put my nose up into the air and I followed the sweet, sweet scents, and down the aisles I went, past the laptops, via the iPhones, pushed away the pimple-faced assistant with the gel-backed hair, and eventually there it was. The full, large, vinyl edition of Erotica, sweet in all its glory, and with a ridiculously expensive price tag attached to it, of course. It wasn't until 2017, my friends, when a Rolling Stone magazine finally described this album as a misunderstood masterpiece. Kyle, why did it take so long for this album to get the credit that it deserves? Because America wasn't ready for sex at that time. Not saying they are completely now, but America was still dealing with the AIDS epidemic. Um, homosexuality was still very controversial. Taboo, yeah. Um, women being sexual and owning their sexuality wasn't common. It was only, you know, you only see in porn, you know, for a woman to actually be sexual, own her sexuality, um, and to be just so blunt about it. I think that's what really shocked everybody about it. Um, and Felix, so it wasn't from what Kyle's saying, and I agree, it, it wasn't the music that you know took so. It wasn't the music; it was everything that was wrapped around this at the time. Yeah, I was, I was seeing stuff in the tabloids, and like everybody was calling her a slut and a whore, and and then I heard that people said that she got overexposed, the album and the book, and then body of evidence and. All of that within a few months. It was too much for America. That's what, yeah, I remember. It's just too much. We have to remember where she was um, at that point in her career. Before she released Erotica, she was delighted and finding it entirely delicious to cause controversy. 
S and M and and gay culture and you know, like you said, females taking power and control. I mean, Penthouse and Playboy magazine were big at that time. Hustler magazine, all those magazines were big and fairly accepted. And they had their place. But Madonna brought it into the mainstream, and it was not accepted by the public at all. I was in tenth grade, and I remember hearing about the the album and the book, and like I went and bought the album, like got it on tape, like the day it came out, and I listened to it over and over for like weeks. And I remember the music videos because I, of course, wasn't able to get the album. It was way too graphic for me. Um, but I remember MTV was actually showing music videos back then, and Deeper and Deeper, Bad Girl, Fever, Rain were all heavily rotated. So unfortunately, by nine, I knew all the lyrics to Bad Girl. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember Deeper and Deeper for me, um, <sighs> that track, I mean, I'm sure we'll get to that, but I mean, I'm sure every gay boy in America <laughs> and, you know, lesbian female has some kind of like, deep connection to that song. We are going to do a track by track, and it's funny you mentioned Deeper and Deeper because absolutely, it's a stunning Madonna anthem, really, especially from her disco catalogue. But funnily enough, I'd, I personally think it doesn't quite fit into the erotica um, project, I suppose. Like, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't take it out, I wouldn't change it, don't hang me, people listening, I, I wouldn't touch it, I really wouldn't. I love it to bits. It's just that the erotica album... Um, is such a project. It's 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 a piece of art, really, and the mood that it sets and the it, tone it was, that it, it sets. Yes, yeah, like, so raw, exactly. And this and and deeper and deeper sits in there as this polished piece of disco tech right in the centre of it. Um, and again, I wouldn't take it out because I love the diversion in the middle of the album. Actually, and maybe that was the intention. Who knows? But the rest of the album is a different journey altogether. It's like, unfortunately, like in the 2000s, Paris Hilton, Kim Kardashian got famous for doing hardcore porn. <laughs> yes. Madonna still, like they were calling her a whore and she had AIDS. Madonna was doing all these pornographic stuff, but she was able to keep it classy. Like there's still, you know, some there's class to what she did. Now, Kyle, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I have to take issue with that. <laughs> I really do. Because as, as a guy who, like both of you, you, I was young at the time and getting my hands on the sex book um, was difficult to say the least. And there is a huge story, which I'm not going to bore the listeners with about how I managed to get my hands on my sealed copy. It involved, you know, passing bribes and getting older people to, to walk into the <laughs> shop for me with me standing outside with my fingers twisted with excitement. However, I, I cannot agree that the sex book was all class. If you want to compare it to the Kardashians or a sex tape, sure. Okay, it's got more class than that. But there wasn't anything too subtle about the whole promotion around erotica, particularly the sex book. I mean, it was outrageous. <laughs> she squatted over a hand mirror on one of the pages, Kyle. How has that got That's class? That's one of my favorite pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I own the book too. I love it. I she made because I don't know. I I'm see. That's the thing. I grew up with this book, and by the time I was hitting puberty, this is my favorite album. And I, you know, I've seen the books. I've seen the movie. I mean, I'm a sexual person. I'm very comfortable with my sexuality and. I have fun with it, and I don't think it has to be serious all the time. And that's the thing, too. It wasn't serious. For God's sake, she's, you know, one of the famous pictures. She's hitchhiking naked down the street in Miami. Yeah, yeah. 
Exactly. And I'm not so I love it. I think yeah, it's fantastic as a piece of irony and the humor in it and the boundaries that it pushed. I think it's fantastic. I, I, I love the piece of work, but I just wouldn't describe it as classy. That's all. It's interesting, Cla- Felix, isn't it, to, to talk about this era because this is a retro review of yeah. the Erotica album, but you cannot. It's impossible to separate talking about this album without going through what we're doing now yeah the sex book the the whole package that came around it because she deliberately body of evidence sex book the erotica film clip um the outrageous interviews at the time by the way she went on like i think it was larry king or one of those anyway she was doing many interviews at the time where she was raised voice screaming at america that she you know she will touch herself when she wants and sex shouldn't be hidden and made taboo it's impossible to talk about this music without that that's one of the things i always loved about her though is because she like was so open about it and you know will try to open people's eyes and people's minds to like not be so uptight and like you know Absolutely. I mean, she really, on one hand, we can talk about how middle America came for her and came at her during this period, and they did. However, this was the period where her fans, um, I think it cemented their loyalty to her at that time as well. In retrospect, it's easy to say that it was a wonderful era, but it was actually a scary era as a fan too, because truly, I don't know if other people listening will agree with this, it really felt like she had gone too far this time and that she was over. And I think that that's evidenced by the fact that there was a massive gap after Erotica and then she even had to come back with an apology album. And she can say it's not, and Human Nature is the song that says she's not apologising, but Bedtime Stories was an apology album. She even said sorry on The Girly Show in Australia. She actually apologised subtly, but there was an apology. Even she knew she went too far at that time. And for fans, it was scary because I really did think she's gone, and especially the absence that followed Erotica, where she was obviously told or instinctively knew she had to withdraw massively, and she did. It, she was gone for quite a long time after that. She went very quiet. Well, like people, people acted like she had lost her mind or something. Mm. I mean, with the Mackie collection, though, she did kind of give us a hint of where she was going musically with Rescue Me yes. and Justify My Love. But yes. I think they thought yeah. Justify My Love was just a one-hit thing. Oh, okay, she's wild, she's crazy, made a lot of money off the VHS, VHS sales. But yeah, just everything just so sexualized with the Erotica album, the book, the movie, um, yeah, it was just way, it just, it shocked at the world. That's what I always talk about, Kyle, with her business acumen, like exactly what you just said. She released the Immaculate Collection. She found it delightful, the, the controversy about the um, Justify My Love video. That exactly, as you said, sowed the seed. Oh, wow, this is the this is the button that I want to push now. So she came out full-fledged with it, with Erotica. But like I say, was it a misstep? I mean, as it turns out, it was a wonderful era because she survived it and she became a much more brilliant artist because of it. But let's swing this back around. Let's talk about the music because it's so overlooked. I said in the intro, isn't it a shame it took so long for this music to be recognised? And our conversation is just the proof of why it was overlooked because there was so much storm and controversy at the time that the actual album itself was like a little blip compared to the sex book and the interviews. And, you know, I remember there was a poll at the time that 95% of Americans said they wouldn't cross the road to pee on Madonna if she was on fire. It was just... 
feels the vicious spirits. Oh, yeah, well, the world hated her then. <laughs> they did. The they hated her. her. Even my family, who knew that I sort of liked Madonna, I wasn't a massive fan until Erotica, funnily enough. That's when I was one of those ones who it cemented my loyalty. But even my family was saying, oh, look, she's just going way too far. And even I think it was my dad who said, I don't want to hear this woman anymore. I don't want to hear. He, he's not even conservative, but she was just everywhere. It was publicity overload. So not only did you have the message was controversial, but the oversaturation was also a problem for people because they just you couldn't open a magazine. Don't forget before the Internet, all of this. So every magazine, every newspaper, every TV show, every news bulletin even yeah. had something about Madonna and people were living Literally, just the average Joe was saying, shut up, just shut up. <laughs> she went too far. Let's talk about the music, though. Kyle, what do you make of this album just as a whole? We're going to go through track by track. What Describe this album. What does it mean to you um, and, and how do you rate it? Um, it's my favorite album of all time. It, I, it's the one album I can put on from beginning to end every time I listen to it. It's got so many different styles of music. It was way ahead of its time, from trance to house to hip-hop to trip-hop. Um, it's just, it's a liberating album for me. It's got so many, This each song has its own meaning to me. Um, I love it. It's just, I, I'm glad it's finally getting the respect and um, credit that it's due. When it came out, I was just starting to accept myself, you know, and I was starting to tell friends of mine that I was gay and, it was liberating for me too, and I used to listen to it all the time, and I still listen to it all the time. This is such a and common story, though, Felix, isn't it? Like, I I can't believe how many people uh, have said to me, or that I've read, that this album seemed to intersect with their own journey of sexuality. That's incredible. How many people have that same similar story? Incredible. I think, see, that's why Deeper and Deeper belongs with the album. Because for so many of the LGBTQ, that song means so much lyrically. Because I got the lyrics early on. And it was just something like, it's it's an anthem. For me, this album was, it, it's so dark and brooding. Like, after Like a Prayer and the Blonde Ambition Tour, which is were theatrical and brilliant, but light and colourful, really, even though they had some, some darker themes around religion and sex was a theme, of course. But when I first listened to this album and when I put the CD in the tray, because I actually got this one on CD, I did like it from the beginning, but I wasn't taken with it the same way that I was with all her other music, which is typical Madonna. Every every move she makes is fresh and new and takes you to a new place. I just remember thinking that this was so dark and brooding and sexual and mysterious. When I put it in to the CD player and turned it on, I felt like I was walking into a dark tunnel that I wasn't allowed to go. By the way, what I love about this album, and I didn't realise till years later that she's that they were deliberately produced in like a, a like a polished demo format, so that you've got that rough edge and that vinyl feel to the whole thing. Which at the beginning of the first track, Erotica, she you can even hear the needle going onto the record. Uh, it's yeah. it is incredibly moody, and as a cohesive piece of work, it's it's genius. It you, I encourage people to put it in and listen to it from start to finish. It takes you on a journey. So it did debut at number two in America with just one hundred sixty-seven thousand sold. Um, by it did uh, go double platinum 
but by 2016, it sold 2 million in the U.S. Um, it didn't really chart very much at all in any, um, in any region of the world. Um, I know in, like, I want to say Finland and Norwegian, it was very, very, like, peaked at, like, 20, 23. Yeah. Also, it charted number one in Finnish, French, European Top 100, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, I and mean, it was it, it was the beginning of that little um, trend that Madonna has, where her album, when it was first released, because of her fan base, goes quite high. So the peak positions don't tell the story of erotica, I don't think. Yeah, a lot of people call that like her first flop album. Yes, can yeah, you believe did, yeah. it? Can you believe erotica? You're so right, Felix. It is erotica at the time, and for years afterwards, was described as a flop. Madonna's first failure. Well, well I didn't feel like that. Yeah, right? It was never a failure to me, but then again, I mean, I was probably 12 by the time I actually got the album, so... The lowest point of erotica era for me is the fact that Vanilla Rice was associated with it at all. That's the only problem I've got with the erotica <laughs> era. <laughs> I mean, he was cute at the time, so I mean, I'm not knocking it. Yeah, he was still a tool. He was still a tool. <laughs> Let's go th through track by track here. The, the title track, Erotica, which it, it's fascinating to me now because at the time I don't think I knew it, um, but because of the age of the internet, I now know there are various incarnations of this song. There were so many different versions of it, I think, before they landed on this particular one that was released. What are we both? Was this the right choice for a first single from the Erotica album? I think so. It peaked at number one. I heard it in clubs all the time when it came out. I've got to say, Erotica, um, for the group of friends I was with at the time, the favourite part of that was when, you know, she comes to using the F word and it's actually blanked out. I know it's so usual to us now and we all know it, it's part of our Madonna DNA, but at the time it was just like genius, like she had the word truck and then she goes and it was just so much humour in the fact and a bit of scandal in the fact that she was going to use the F word in a, in a mainstream pop song but just blanks it out with that groan. It's it's incredibly smart. It's so clever in terms of creating pop music. That's such a clever masterstroke, in my opinion. That groan didn't leave you any doubt of what she was going to say, though. No, exactly. <laughs> Have you heard some of the other versions of this song since? Oh, oh God. Yeah. I've, I've got, like, I've heard, like, hundreds. Oh, yeah. Well, one was, one was called version. Love Hurts. Yes, one I love that. One was called Love Hurts. And I've heard that. Me. Yeah, You Thrill Me, which she did in the Confessions Tour. The sex book contained erotic. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. In the back of, thank you, Kyle. In the back of the sex book, there was a CD with a slightly different, I was always fascinated that this uh, single was slightly different to the one that I was used to from the video clip and I think from the album well, as well. William Orbit used the vocals from that version on his mix. Ah, right. Yes, he did. Yeah. The remixes from this album are hands down the best. I have to say that. Yes. Those Masters at Work Club remixes, classic. Like like Kyle says, the age of the remix, this, this era was the age of the remix. The erotica video. I love the whole Dita look with the puppet and the hair and the nails. That, that look is iconic in my eyes. The gold and tooth. The and see, this is what I mean by classy. There is some classy elements to erotica in the sex book with, to me, the lesbian BDMSM scene and some of the swimming. 
not every picture is so vulgar or a joke. No, like, me, uh, like I, I saw there was there was one there was one picture of her with the really long hair and she's wearing a bathing suit and she's like yeah. leaning against the pole. Yeah. And the erotica video is essentially a collection of the behind the scenes making of the sex book, isn't it? Essentially. There's yeah. lots of shots of that. Pretty much. But I just I, I, I love the way it was shot too. I, I think it's been done a lot since then, but just the graininess of it added to that whole mystery and the forbiddenness of this era. I, I thought the way it was yeah. shot. So yes, okay, I, I will concede that one, Carl. There was a bit of class around the way the erotica video was was produced. I have to say it was a slick piece of work. It was just wonderful. We move into track two of the Erotica album, Fever, which apparently was the last track recorded and it was sort of an accidental discovery because they were having trouble with another song. Um, and Well, she was doing she was doing Goodbye to Innocence. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then she started singing Fever over that. You know, there's there's versions of it where she's like doing parts of both songs. It was different because it was probably the first real kind of, to me, it's like a straight up house track. It's, and then the, but I was just to the music video version, which is a lot more remix, a lot more clubby, more upbeat. It's not as like sultry and seductive as the album version, but I think it's a great track. It's definitely, it's the best, you know, it's the best track to go after erotica. And it's, it definitely shows in the girly show too, just how wonderfully those two songs go together and the way she performed it live was amazing as well wasn't it ever it was fantastic did it come straight out after erotica was it the second single no i was it was like it was like I, it was after bad before. girl after bad girl because in the in the u.s bad girl had remixes of fever on it on the maxi uh-huh and again, for Madonna community, Fever is just a Madonna track, but we overlook the audacity to take a song like Fever, which belongs so firmly in another genre, which Madonna in some ways shouldn't be allowed to touch, to take that and to, and to add her flavour and make it a pop track. There's an audacity to that, a creative genius to it too. And... These are the little moments where if you're a Madonna fan and you want to evidence that she actually is um, more than just a product, she's a very musical person, Fever is one of those examples. To actually do what she did is is bold, to say the least. I love the video. I was a bit confused, but the video is so 90s, isn't it? Like the way it's filmed, if you actually oh, yeah, watch yeah. it, it's just so I 90s. Like, like 90s pop art. Like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's speedos, though. I was a little too young. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on with I, the I silver stuff, by the way? The What's what? What is that? I I'm still, to, hair, to this day, but, but, still don't get the silver thing. What is that? I, I thought it was I cool. Know. I thought it looked good, too. I mean, I like silver and I like gold and the red. I don't. It was it was a weird i think it was more a club inspired video don't wouldn't you say felix because you were going to the yeah. club it was more like a club she, she, she wanted she wanted it to be played in clubs and for that fever uh the fever uh two uh lp red remixes vinyl that's one of my favorite items i own those remixes like i said the remixes off this album are the best yeah there's also a live version of Fever, and it's one of those moments where uh, you see Madonna drop oh. drop the ball, and she forgets the lyrics a little bit. But I just, oh, I, I know, I know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that was on Arsenio Hall. Yes, that's right. I, I, I yeah. love 
because I love Madonna the person so much too, I, I, I love two things about that moment. The professionalism of the way she pushes through and actually makes it a moment, but also because I know her, or I feel like I know her quite well, the excruciating moment for her as a person because she's such a perfectionist. Didn't she, she perform just... it on Saturday Night Live as well with Batgirl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she did a song with Anthony Kiedis on the same episode of the show, the Arsenio Show Hall, right? Yeah. Or is that a, okay. They did The Lady is a Tramp. Yes, yes, yes. That was a good performance. Yeah. Before we move into some other tracks, uh, Kyle, tell us a little bit about the producers on this album because uh, th- they often get overlooked, but this is a bit of a combination of some of the best for the Erotica album. Um, well, there's um, two producers on it. There's uh, Shep Pettibone. Um, Shep Pettibone started off as a DJ on 98.7 Kiss FM. Um, he got popular doing remixes in the 80s. Yeah. Um, I grew up on New Wave and got gifted a bunch of 12 inches in any big name pop act. Yeah, he, he worked with everybody. Mixes. Yeah, he George worked Michael, with everybody. Like anybody, like I'm sure Paul Abdul, like any pop star that wanted remixes went to Chef. He is and a supreme Madonna, talent, though, isn't he? Like, he, oh, yeah, definitely. Incredible. That was his best work, though. He, he, was, he, was, one of, he was the first person that inspired me to like get into like remixing and stuff because i felt like before that remixes were just more like extended cuts extended yeah extended versions of the original and he remixed the what's it express yourself and he also produced uh rescue me's and vogue so i mean and vogue yeah Yeah. used to be my playground i think was his yeah yes that too that was a great yeah Uh, that song always reminds me of this to me that song belongs in this era that's what i was wondering because if you really think about it honestly i don't recall really ever hearing much of shep pettibone after that i don't know if maybe the album because you know how you said the album definitely was kind of considered a low point and she got so much backlash yeah. I wonder if Pettibone got backlash from the album as well. Yeah, that's a fascinating question. It would be great to talk to him, but I know that your dream, Kyle, is for, for Shep to come back on board at some stage, um, and I think that's a dream of many fans. I'd love to see that. Track three on this album was Bye Bye Baby. I'll tell you what, the lyrics that stand out to this, oh, first of all, when I think of this song, straight away I go to the Girly Show performance because it just sort of it's so symbolic of this song, and I know I love you yeah. because I hate you. I love that lyric. I think it's you know it's it's the epitome of this song i know i love you because i hate you it's so well placed i think that's the first time i've seen women dressed as men so for me Uh it was it was something yeah it definitely is stuck in my mind because it's the first time i've seen a female dress up as a masculine male and act that dominating character plate that she played now, didn't she also release this song and the video clip was from the Australian Girly Show? There was there was a, a CD single with like a few remixes on it. Uh huh. Because I had that, but it you know it was import, and <clears throat> there was like there's like six or remixes. seven mixes on it. And they're all really like short. It's funny your your recollections like as American fans, your recollections of it. You know, this didn't have much of a release here in Australia. My recollection is, yeah, I think it was a, a proper full blown release, probably too, because there was a, a Australian tour edition of um, the Erotica album. So possibly this was pushed quite hard to you know to push for sales of the album. But yeah, a great well, track. Yeah, it was the first time going over there. 
Yeah. Yeah, because it, it wasn't released in the United States. It was the last, it was the sixth and final uh, single, but yeah, it was definitely released in Europe and Australia, but not here. It, in, uh, it, it, it took me, it took me a while to find the, the single, like, they only oh, sold yeah. it at certain stores. Oh, it's a, it's an item in America to have the actual CD single or give it the remixes. So. Ah, right. So those listening, if you've got a copy of this CD single, you've got a bit of a collector's item on your hands by the sound of it. Is it one of the better tracks on the album? It's one of my favorites. I like it. It's a good song, but it's definitely not one of my favorites. As we track our journey through the Erotica album, we move from Bye Bye Baby into where I said before, a, a bit of a, a, a segue for me in the album, Deeper and Deeper, but absolutely no contest. It is a Madonna classic, Deeper and Deeper, and clearly, Kyle, this is right up your alley. Yeah, I mean, because lyrically, you can, it's almost as a song about coming out and accepting your sexuality. Do you think that's what um, it's about? Like, what makes it? That, this, this, this is about. the first. This is the first time I've I've heard that. To be honest, which is probably ignorant of I, me, I but I heard that that's what it's about. Yeah, a, a young guy trying to accept his sexuality and you know so coming the, out. The and family issues, like you know, yeah, like daddy couldn't be all wrong. Mama made me learn this song. There's also that last uh, little Vogue little thing she does at the end, which is like, a, it's kind of like a sequel to Vogue with, in a way. Now, self-referencing, Kyle, it was something that I'd never seen done. In, I was already a huge fan of pop by that stage, by the stage Erotica came out. But when I heard that throwback, because the Immaculate yes. Collection, before Erotica, the Immaculate Collection was on high rotation for me. And don't forget that this was the era where you had an album, you played it repeatedly because there was no Spotify. You just loved the CDs you could afford. So for me to hear that self-reference at the end of Deeper and Deeper to Vogue, chilling like goosebumps up and down the arms i thought that is so clever i loved it same here but the first time i heard it i was like oh my god this is crazy <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no the uh, lyrics just yeah it's about um never gonna never gonna hide it again you're never wow. gonna hide your sexuality again it's like going to your first gay club to a disco and finding i was i was already going to gay clubs then <sighs> I know. I'm so jealous of you being able to climb at this time. <laughs> Good on you guys well, for giving so... me a new context to this song. I'm going to have to go back and listen to it now. But how does the video then add up to that? There's a lot. It's about like, what's the guy's name? I can't remember the actor's name. He was in the sex book. Yes, he's he creepy. Like this hypnotist thing and the whole disco theme and the afro. And isn't Debbie Mazer in the video? Yeah. I mean, the they've, been, they've been friends eating. forever. Yeah, the whole banana yeah. eating while the guy's stripping. I thought it was, it was a great video. It's definitely... And it's a, yeah, they were yeah. eating the banana while they were watching the stripper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was a great video. Like, yeah, that's... I mean, yeah. That's the one I remember the most being played in America consistently other than Rain. I'd say Rain after that, then Bad Girl, then Fever. A lot of people right. said at the time that it was much more a, a Kylie type of track than a Madonna type of track as well. Here in Australia, a lot of people were saying that because, you know, it's so much more light than right. what Madonna was known for at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, Kylie didn't get much the respect or play that she does deserve in America, but I still love her. Yeah, I, I love her too. Let's talk about track five, Where Life Begins. Now, for me, this is... On a personal level, this is a really difficult track because 
on one hand, it's really very immature <laughs> and very silly. But at the same time, I just can't get over how genius the lyrics are. They are so, so cool. I think this is what sexercise from... Everybody should experience eating out. <laughs> sex, sexercise from Kylie Minogue, I think, th that this is what she was trying to achieve. Lots of double entendres <laughs> and hinting at what it is. And it, sexercise did not achieve it. But I think Madonna achieves it so well here. Let me just take you through some of some of the lyrics um because obviously it's about for those who don't know and if you're a madonna fan listening of course you do know that where life begins is about um oral sex particularly female oral sex and that females should enjoy this so listen to this um what could be better than a home-cooked meal how you want to eat it depends on how you feel you can eat all you want and you don't get fat now where else can you go for a meal like that Come on, every girl should experience eating out. That's not so subtle. Sometimes when I come home from a hard day at work, I swear it's all I can think about. This is an audacious song, even for nowadays. I like the track. It was good. Actually, it yeah. almost lost me the album because my dad walked in, heard the lyrics. I wasn't really paying attention. Like I said, I was like 12 when I finally got the album. And he's like, wait, what is this? And read the lyrics. And he's like, you should be lucky I'm letting you keep this. And then I read the list and I was like, oh, well, okay, things well, you are know, looking you good. Know what? My, my, my dad, when when Truth or Dare came out on VHS, I, I bought it like three times. He took it away from me all, every time I got it because he didn't like the scenes with the gay dancers. And, oh, wow. You know, like he was very homophobic and – yeah, that's the thing is like you we have to remember too is like this is the nine this is ninety two, ninety-three. Like this is Madonna was one of the few people promoting homosexuality and expressing your sexuality. Don't stop denying yourself, be proud of who you are, express yourself. So I mean, that's the thing. There was no things got better for us back then. Things weren't as easy as they are for the LGBTQ youth today. Yeah, if, if kids if kids went through what we went through back then. Oh yeah, it was not a piece of cake. It was not. It was yeah. It was, they were dark times, and like the AIDS was still. AIDS was scary. AIDS was a destiny still. Yeah, I have a gay friend who um, said that they did not know what where life begins was about for years. He said, and his explanation is that because he was a gay man or is a gay man, that this didn't resonate with him at all. So he didn't pick up the double meaning. Did both of you get what this song meant from the beginning? I mean, I I'm, I'm getting, I knew. I mean, once my dad pointed it out, I mean, I kind of started putting two and two together just because. I love I, that story, Kyle. You're just there sort of, I imagine you're scribbling on, you know, a piece of art paper doing yeah, art, listening exactly. to this in the background and he walks in and <laughs> your dad gets the song, but you don't. <laughs> yeah, that is exactly how it went down. I'm like, you know. And what I forgot to mention earlier, this is the second producer, um, Andre Betts, or Beats. I'm not sure how you produce his name because honestly, I haven't been able to find anything really about him. Even before doing the interview, like I've wanted to see what other type of work he's done. He was a co-producer on Justify My Love, but other than that, I've never really heard well, any other work he's done outside. Madonna of fans listening to this, I'm going to set you all a mission: find Andre Betts and send him to me. I want to interview him. I want to find out his stories about working with oh, and I've for Madonna. Yeah, sorry to cut you off, but I've heard, yeah, I've heard he's got some funny stories because he would have like his friends in the studio and 
we'll talk a little bit more about it later because it's the topic of one of the songs. Ah, okay. Intriguing. I like that. Number six, Bad Girl. I've never really liked this song. I know it's a fan favourite, so that's controversial to say. There's just something about the, the melody that just doesn't appeal to me. The video clip didn't really appeal to me, although she looked sensational in it, um, I have to say. What do we make of Bad Girl? I that, that was one of my favourite songs. Yeah. My, it's my favourite probably Madonna ballad, or at least top two, top three. Um, I think it's produced I, great. She sounds great. I love that she brings that. I think it's a, it's a topic that's not really ever. It's the kind of topic you want to think of as like a pop ballad or a pop song. She comes home from work. She drinks, smokes a bunch of cigarettes, and like says she's not happy. She's having, she's promiscuous. It's about, or she's cheating on. The song is about cheating on a boyfriend, being promiscuous, being miserable and unhappy in the relationship she's in, but not knowing how to get out of it. So continually to continue to excessively drink, smoke, and sleep with other people. I remember the, you know, the guy that kills her at the end of the video. Like he, mm -hmm. yeah, she dies in the end of this video. Is her guardian angel? Yeah, you haven't seen the video. She, yeah, the video is about like a serial rapist murderer, and she plays like a CEO. Um, really? I have seen it. How have I missed this? What is wrong with me? Oh my gosh! Because the video is kind of funny because she plays this like high power businesswoman, which she is. So it's kind of like a what's the remember? But then like she's a got a scandalous side after she gets out yeah. of work. Yeah. But then she's unhappy and crying in her champagne at home alone. And wow. Christopher Walken plays her guardian angel. And they have a little scene. It's cute. Yeah, if you yeah. haven't seen the video after this interview, you should go watch it. Uh, well, I've definitely seen the video. I've just, I'm so stupid. I've never picked that meaning up. And I certainly didn't know she dies in the end of it. There you go. Oh, yeah, she, yeah, she gets murdered. And... Uh, I look forward to going and watching that one again. She's uh, the only thing I'm upset about is she's only performed this once, and it was on Saturday Night Live. She's never yeah, performed and, and it again. She sounded, she, sounded, she sounded good when she did it live. Yeah, that she looked amazing. And she like on that just show. forgot about it. Yeah, I know, and I'm like, why? It's such a great song. Track seven is waiting on the erotica album. What do we make of this one? Waiting. It's such a song, song of yearning, isn't it? This one. I love, I love her it. vocals. Uh, yeah, I, it's one of my favorite songs of all time. I love that song. And it's more of a hip-hop track, um, hip-hop influence track. But yeah. It's so, it's got, it's just so good. It's just, I just love I remember, it. I remember I had, I remember I had like black, like these few black girlfriends in high school. And they used to love that song. I used to like take my headphones and dance to it and like... <laughs> There's a part towards I mean, the end of a song where she sort of breaks it down, and I, I love that part too. Uh, all of the songs on Erotica are constructed so bloody well, I have to say. Like, they, there's bridges, and then they take unexpected turns in many ways. So the actual construction of the songs themselves are, are amazing in nearly every case. And Waiting is, like, once just when you think you, you know where the song is, she breaks it down, you know, at the end. I, a, lot I, of pe a lot of people... A lot of people saw it like as a sequel to like just find my love ah. she says waiting for you waiting for you yeah like she doesn't just find my love yeah yeah possibly you're right I yeah yeah i never thought about that when i heard that but i it's a great track just something so ominous yeah. and 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 yearning about it thief of hearts 
Now, this is interesting. For, I might be the only person on the planet, but when She's Not Me came out years later, or was on the album years later, I couldn't help but it, think it, that that was the sequel of... Hearts. I couldn't help but think that it, that was the sequel to Thief of Hearts because they've got the same sort of theme. Of that too. Yeah. <laughs> what do we make of Thief of Hearts? I, I love, love it. it. <laughs> it's a straight club banger. It's great. That's <laughs> it's one of my favorites. I mean, it's a it's it's great '90s house. That's what I love about. Yeah, it. I, um, I wish I wish it had gotten a video. Yeah, the video could have been amazing. Actually, I can picture that in my head. I love the smashing glass at the beginning. You know, yeah, I suppose the, the yeah using the word bitch. I suppose is the other association with she's not me. Maybe that's part of why my brain went from that to that. But they're both the same sort of thing, isn't it? It's like, it's like a rage, at a jealous rage at another woman. Well, like, yeah, she's, she's mad because some other girl was after her boyfriend. And what about the yeah. little – Is it, could you call that a rap, Kyle, in the middle of it? Is that a rap? You'll do it. You'll take it. You'll screw it. You'll fake it. Yeah. yeah. No, to me, it's not a rap. To me, it's not quite. more just like a bridge. Um, it's cool, though. I love it. What I do love about this is for some waiting, Thief of Hearts and Words, to me, for me, those three tracks just flow together. It gives it, it gives the album this kind of like different, like pick me up vibe from the rest, which yeah. I think was needed at that point in the album and like, thief of hearts is like, like perfect she was like like she was saying i'm ready to kick your ass yeah exactly that's like yeah too and i'm like <laughs> my only problem with this too. song is and it's a very important problem is that when i'm listening to it in the car i often have to look in the rear vision mirror because when the sirens come on i think i'm actually being pulled over here still i know the song so well but those sirens are because the way that it's produced and this is no joke the way it's produced the sirens come from left to right from left to right it's just so realistic goes to just how well the production values were on this album and i think kyle you just mentioned that they're track nine words these three songs just in fact the ordering of the whole album but particularly track seven eight and nine Beautiful. So Thief yeah. of Hearts moving into words. Perfect. Love this song too. It's kind of yeah. got like a nice little trance feel. I love it. And there's a demo floating around that I finally heard the full demo. Ah. I wish she would have released it as like an alternate mix because it's a little bit, it's different, but it's like, like you said, there's so many versions of these songs out there that are like demos yeah. that, that are just, I'm hoping for like a 30th, you know, anniversary where you can get hands on all these demos, but who knows if that'll happen wishful thinking about this song well I, that's one of my favorites I, I like how she talks about how she feels about the paparazzi and how they treat her and you guys are awesome you're making me think of a lot of these songs in a completely different way i hadn't now that i'm thinking of words through the lens of you know her paparazzi experience that could absolutely that makes more sense than what i thought i was just more thinking about because of thief of hearts where that sets you up and moving into words i'm thinking more around the relationship you know and and maybe what she's it's like the story of thief of hearts continuing but you're right it could actually be about reading stuff in the paparazzi which as we know it really really hurts it to the point where she tries desperately not to read it now can well, we talk yeah, now she avoids it she does altogether can we talk about rain rain was in the middle of a controversial era and we talked at the beginning about how the world turned its back on madonna and and was sick of her and i uh, wish she'd shut up 
all of that sort of stuff. But then, then rain comes then along. Rain it was so popular, unbelievable. Yeah, it was a big hit. Huge and just I heard it everywhere. Exactly, yeah, mainstream radio. Um, it was it was everywhere. MTV played the about, hell out of it, you know, like. Yeah, they did. They did. I remember that haircut because that was the first time I was like, "What did she do?" I was not. I'm not gonna lie. It's just for some reason I love Madonna with her long, beautiful locks. But I'm not saying she didn't look beautiful like always. But I just wasn't a fan of that black short haircut. But I see why she did it as with the. Well, I mean, it was show. a wig. She she wore a wig. She wore. A I wig. didn't know that. I thought it was. I thought it was a haircut because like, I thought. It was around the time she was doing Girlie's show because she definitely cut her hair short for the mm, Girlie's show for mm. that. Um, well, you, you know why she cut her hair like that, right? What's it, the it was because of the she. She said it was for the Fever video, the way they colored her hair. Like when when she went to dye it back to blonde, she said it was like falling out in chunks. Wow! So that's why oh. she cut it off. Wow! Okay, Did some, not know. Yeah, that. I never heard that before. Yeah, thanks for the info. Learn something new every day. She looked like a pixie yeah. in rain. And the video, you talked about class before. Here's another moment. I'll put up my hand, Carl. Yep, this was a video clip of class. But also but because... Rain, yeah. rain is also... Have you heard what rain's about, right? From yeah. where life begins. A sexual undertone about <laughs> orgasm. Well, she, so, she mentions yeah. it in Where Life Begins. I'm, I'm glad you brought your raincoat. So whenever I listen yep, to rain, I, I can't get yeah, the crude meaning out of my rain. head. It's like a deluge here. I also can't think of rain without thinking of I'll remember as well. I don't know why. Do yeah, they, do they come I out close? Well, yeah. she, she had the same kind of hairstyle then for that too. Right. Yeah. And, they, and that was on the, on the cover, they used a picture from the rain video with her with the short wig. Rain is one of the best yeah. uh, singles uh, to have as well because, like you I, said earlier, for fans, if you haven't heard Goodbye to Innocence, you definitely need to. But there's a remix of Goodbye to Innocence called The Up Down Suite. Uh -huh. That's amazing. Uh -huh. So that single was also Yeah, 12 minutes. Well. 12 minutes. It's a workout if you try yep. to dance to it. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, have you both heard the Donna Delore and Nikki Harris version of this? But they sound, it sounded better when it was all three of them. How good was Early the Girly Show version of this? Just my imagination worked into it. Yeah. Yeah. Why is it so hard is track 11. Um, why oh, is it so hard? That's one of my favorites. The, yeah, this is a, this is a call to arms to her fans is the way I always read it. And is that, that why you see it as well? Well, the, the lyrics are still like relevant now. You know, like, why is it so hard to love one another? Why is it so hard to, you know, share happiness and... Musically, it was a little different because it has that more reggae vibe. Um, it, this is probably my least favorite track of the album, to be honest. But, I mean, it's still a good song and she, she performed it live on the tour. It was great. But I wish she would do it again. I mean, it's like you said, though, it's still very relevant and she's still preaching about the same things because unfortunately the world still does a lot of hasn't changed things. much yeah it hasn't changed much yeah I, i'll tell you what carl it's it, again another one of those perspective things uh, getting so much from both of you today but why is it so hard i mean she might want to play this song when she reads social media half the time because her fan community is infighting so much <laughs> you oh, know God. this this could be the anthem yeah. to that Oh my God! Yes, even yeah, it's it's funny to me. It's just I 
yeah. I, I can't think of why is it so hard without <laughs> it's where one track on the Girly Show DVD merges into this song, right? And there's an orgy scene happening well, yeah, on the like, scene. And would, there are hands deeper deeper everywhere so as this song begins. It's incredibly <laughs> out there. Hey, I mean, at least they're having a great time and working at the same time. <laughs> In This Life is a track written about a friend, apparently. And it's very literal. Madonna often does um, you know, songs where you have to interpret her lyrics or they, they refer or they want well, she's implying something. Th friends. This song's quite a literal song it was about two friends martin burgoyne and keith herring and yep. christopher flynn like all boxy yeah all three of them really when i really under like listening to the song and really getting its depth and meaning like it really definitely like i like i it was emotional for me it is an emotional was, song you yeah. know yeah, like, no one who's who on an album talks you know, and like you said, but that's the thing about this album that I love and why I love The Girly Show, because The Girly Show is like a circus in a way. It's in that yeah, the album. Is, it was. Like, you know, the album has, it's, a, it's life, it's sex, it's death, you know. In the same album, she's talking about getting off, but then the same album, she's talking about dying of AIDS. So, I mean, she's, but it was very touching because it was very, you know, this is someone that's standing up for something that was, you know, people are still. Like, hardly, hardly anybody that. talked about it. Hardly yeah. anybody talked about AIDS back then. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was not, and it was still very much that gay. It's taboo. Mm -hmm. Taboo. Mm -hmm. Did You Do It was not featured on every version of the album. And in fact, nope. it doesn't feature Madonna at all on that track. Well, it just says waiting like, for yeah, you. Just, That's the only part. Aha. Uh -huh. That's the only part. This was the song I was talking about. So the reason she threw this song in, and the reason is it's on the um, explicit version, which when I got the version, I got the, the, um, what the do you standard, call it? The standard, the standard version. version. So I didn't have this song until I actually bought it again, like five years, seven years later. But Andre and Madonna wrote this song because he kept having his friends come to the studio and they were rappers and, you know, no, or you know, no more guys. I'm like, oh, we're working with Madonna and on a sex album. Wait, so did you tell us about it? You know, you know, you're fucking her, and just, he's like, no, and they're like, what? You're lying. You gotta be fucking her, and he's like, no, like this is my boss. We're I'm working. And they <laughs> just couldn't believe the fact that this woman who's so sexually, you know, active and you know, and acts promiscuous in, in characters and stuff that she's actually. They're just working and not sleeping around with everybody. Wow. So, so that's why she, and it's about that culture too of like, what do you mean you didn't have sex with her? You're not a man. Like, it's it kind of, there's a straight masculinity that some guys have that's just super like, you have to be dominant. You have to be the man. You got to sleep with the hot chicks and you can't be, you got to be single because who wants to get settled down? You got to get all the pussy in the world. And it's Madonna's yeah. kind of like, fuck you to that bullshit. Like, wow. whatever. Wait, she's waiting for men to grow up. Wow. Now, for, for Madonna fans, if in case you didn't realize, there is a track that is an ode to Madonna's vagina. And here it is. Track 14, Secret Garden. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, that's what it is. Have you heard that? <laughs> I mean, yeah, but then I forget about it because I. this is my favorite album closer that she's done um probably next to maybe like falling free or easy ride um 
they, I think it's a great, I love this track. It's got this. Yeah, me jazz, too. It's got this jazzy, like, lounge trip hop feel to it. That it's just. Take, it, take, it, it takes you to another place. Makes you think. Yeah. Like, you're like in like some crazy dream or like. I don't know. Like it's chill out. Kind of like almost like an after sex kind of song. Like where you feel good. Just want to lay back. Have a drink. Smoke a cigarette. You've had a wild ride. You want to relax now. <laughs> so I think it's a great closer. To, to round it off with Secret Garden, because it's it's filthy and beautiful at the same time. Yes, yes, exactly. And that's, yeah. Like, the, the, that's, and that's what I miss about albums these days, because the packaging, too. Like, it's just, there was, like, with the concept album, you got the whole concept, because you actually had to, you had to go buy the album, unwrap it open it up you had the pictures some of them were pictures that were trimmed down from erotica there were a couple that were outtakes from or not erotica i'm sorry the sex book and there's a couple that were outtakes as well her being tied yeah. up on a coffee table i know that when i saw that i was like wow she's gagged and tied up on a coffee table so i mean that was shocking for me when i first saw it i love the picture i love the i love the look too the look has that scratchy grittiness of that sound of the album and also kind of that metallic of like that metal used for the sex book so i love the look like the whole and then the the toe sucking thing that was funny it's great <laughs> let's round this off so the erotica album um you've both stated it's among your favorite Kyle. i think you said it is your favorite madonna album for me it's certainly yeah in the top two i just i love it i, I can never get sick of listening to this i put it on when i want to get into a, a certain type of mood i suppose it's legacy for me i'm i'm sure that it influenced you know she'd hate me saying this but janet jackson's velvet rope i swear must have been influenced by this album has to be well, i, I remember I remember she wanted to do a song Throb, but the Janet used that oh, instead. Right. So she, she dropped it. Right. Okay. So what do we? Where does this stand in her catalog of work, though? Where Where does it stand? Is it a forgotten gem? The fans, like the the newer well, fans, actually fan, know fans about this. Love it still. Fans love it still. Yeah, it's finally getting the respect in um from the mainstream mainstream yeah. public. Oh yeah. From mainstream pop because the yeah it's always been a fan favorite but the good thing is that now that it's getting the mainstream back like or acceptance and like mainstream's been like oh we were wrong this was ahead of its time it's good to see that she's finally gone back to some of those tracks and is willing to perform them again because for a while after that she didn't even want to talk about erotica and this guy still yeah. seems like it's a sore subject to her to actually get into fully because I feel like I've always wanted to ask her in-depth questions about the process of the album. How does she actually feel about it today? But she kind of like gives like really short answers and doesn't really go into depth. But maybe that's just how she feels about it. She's like, hey, at the end of the day, I put my clothes on and did what well, I did. Just because how can she not be so proud of this work? But her silence suggests that maybe she isn't. I don't know. And, and the lack of performance of it on tours. It was just because no pop star had ever pushed the boundary. Nobody had ever done that before. Because she was like, you guys want me? You guys want to see me? Like, there you go. And, you know, she she was like, she she learned you can't talk about your sexual fantasies to the public and have them accept it. But, like, you got to understand, too, some of, like... Some of it's a joke. She's playing a character, too. You You can't take everything 
100% from her. That's the thing, you know? That's what I love about Madonna, too. She is her own person. You're not gonna, as a fan, know her 100%. So, like... Yeah, it's meant to be taken with a great deal of irony, that's for sure. On the way out here, I'm gonna ask for questions. Should she do a sequel to the sex book? <laughs> I, don't, oh my God. I don't know about the book, but I feel like she's, like, doing sequels with this. I mean, she's still sexually pro provocative. She's never stopped being sexually, you know, like, that, you know? She's always been she's always been a sexual person. So I mean, hey. Carl and Felix, thank you so much for the retro review of the Erotica album. This has been a really exciting chat because this album it's magic and it's really has been lovely to share it with both of you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you again for the thank opportunity. You. It was fun. Have a good day.